From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. Welcome to WIA National News for the week commencing the 7th of March 2010. I am Tim of VK2ZTM and the broadcast this week has been prepared and presented by members from the VK2WI broadcast team. The WIA is very pleased to announce that Dick Smith, VK2DIK, has agreed to be patron of the WIA's centenary celebrations. Dick obtained his amateur licence when he was 17 and using those skills became one of Australia's best-known entrepreneurs, a businessman, aviator and modern-day explorer. He founded Dick Smith Electronics, the Australian Geographic and Dick Smith Foods. Dick was made an Officer of the Order of Australia in 1999 for service to the aviation industry and was the 1986 Australian of the Year. In accepting the position of patron for the WIA centenary celebrations, Dick Smith said, I'm delighted to support an organisation that traces its history back 100 years, but at the same time is looking to the future by encouraging a new generation of radio amateurs. This year, the WIA celebrates 100 years of organised amateur radio in Australia. There are articles in Amateur Radio magazine for February and March, as well as on the WIA website. Next Thursday, the 11th of March, marks 100 years since a group of wireless experimenters met to discuss the difficulties they were having in pursuing their interests. This 1910 meeting was reported in both the Sydney Morning Herald and the Daily Telegraph. The Sydney Morning Herald of the 14th of March 1910 reported on an Institute of Wireless Telegraphy that had been inaugurated on Friday at a meeting at the Hotel Australia. It continued, Mr George A. Taylor, who was chairman, pointed out that investigations of wireless were today on the verge of an arena of wonder. They were like explorers of a strange country where every step was a discovery. But as success could only be achieved after many failures... There was a need of mutual cooperation between investigators to avoid making the same mistakes and to climb together when any successful discovery would be achieved. There was further necessity for the formation of the Institute to protect legitimate experimenting. He proposed the formation of the Institute. Mr Wal Hannam seconding the motion. He explained how the meeting came about in this interview recorded by Radio New Zealand in the mid-1950s. Uh, in conjunction uh, with the late uh, George Taylor, uh, he was keenly interested uh, with uh, all sorts of flying. And uh, he heard about me uh, having this uh, radio gear, and he asked me would I come and show it at this exhibition. Well, when I was at the exhibition, I suggested to him that as a lot of people had been round the stand and showed an interest in the matter of radio, well, we called it wireless, of course, in those days. Still do, I think, most of us. It's Americanism. Um, he um, said, uh, when I spoke to him about this, yes, he said, I'll arrange a meeting. Well, the meeting was held in the smoke room of the Hotel Australia and I think there were about 50 people there including professors and physicists and all that sort of thing and they came and uh, they said yes we will uh, form a society 
and the, that's how the Wireless Institute of New South Wales was born, and I became the first secretary. How long the original name lasted is not known, but by 1912 the group was using the name Wireless Institute of New South Wales. What is interesting is that groups formed in other states independently. The Wireless Institute of Australia was formed in the 1920s as an umbrella organisation to represent the common interests of these state organisations on a national and international level. Each state organisation maintained its independent existence as divisions until the recent amalgamation into the national WIA in 2004. Before World War I, most states had formed amateur groups, but it is New South Wales that is the longest spoke in the wheel. By the time Mr Marconi carried out his successful wireless experiments, cables and telegraph lines carrying Morse code traffic were well established. The telephone was also starting to make its presence felt. These systems produced revenues and the operators sought to keep it that way. But the radio experimenters just wanted to experiment and the authorities were not being helpful. So some of those experimenters in Sydney decided to call a meeting. The venue was chosen, the smoking room at the Hotel Australia on the corner of Castlereagh Street and Martin Place in Sydney. It was a Friday afternoon, the 11th of March, 1910. Other states established similar organisations soon after. The outbreak of World War I in 1914 curtailed the experimenters as the Navy acquired control of the spectrum. At war's end, the Navy was ill-inclined to return the spectrum to civilian use. The experimenters lobbied through their respective institutes, but by then there were other interests after the spectrum as well. New South Wales, it appears, was the leading institute, and about 1920 they were talking about a national body, and inquired whether other states would if such a body was formed, join as branches. New South Wales proposed that the body be known as the Wireless Institute of Australia. That took until 1924. During this period, the New South Wales body was registered as a company. The Wireless Institute of Australia, New South Wales Division, on the 26th of May, 1922. The 1920s were rough times for experimenters. They had been pushed down below 200 metres, or above 1.5 MHz, near the top of the present AM broadcast band. That got them out of the hair of the important players who saw their fortunes in this new medium. Below 200 metres was, as the conventional wisdom then held, useless. But that proved otherwise, as we now know. Membership of the Wireless Institute had expanded to encompass both the amateur, experimenter and professional commercial interests. This caused some conflict and for a period in New South Wales the amateurs split into another body, the ARA. In time, professional radio engineers went off to become members of the IRE and the amateurs regained the WIA. The WIA had a policy to be located where the PMG was. In the early days of Federation, the Commonwealth Government was Melbourne-based and so was the WIA, and has been ever since, except for a period in World War II, when they operated in a very reduced way in Sydney. When the radio department involved with the amateur movement made their transfer to Canberra in the 1970s, a lack of resources prevented the WIA from following. While the institutes were the main state organisations, local radio clubs sprung up around the country, one which has lasted the distance is the Waverley Amateur Radio Society, established in 1919. 
It is the photo of some of their early members, which is on this year's call book cover and one of the centenary posters. And that brings us back to today, 100 years later, proud to be the National Society, acknowledged as the oldest in the world. We are two years ahead of the RSGB of the UK and four years ahead of the AWOL in America. There is much more to tell, but that will have to wait till another time. There is other news in this week's bulletin that we must tell you about right after this. A new National Inwards QSL Bureau service is being introduced for WIA members to expedite the availability of Inwards cards from overseas bureaus. The Inwards Bureau has established a central post office box for the new service at PO Box 2040, Bayswater, Victoria 3153, Australia. By centralising the Australian delivery point, they expect more regular deliveries of cards from smaller overseas bureaus who can make more effective dispatches to the central box. In summary, bulk quantities of cards to a central point will lead to more frequent consignments and a better service for you. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service in Kempsey on 7146 kHz at 10am. Hams across Australia, I'm Richard VK2SKY. VK1, on the 24th of February, the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club held its AGM, where it was reported that the club is in a healthy financial position and has had an increase of 20 members, bringing the total membership to 110 members. The new committee for 2010 includes President Peter Westerhoff, VK1 NPW, Vice Presidents Phil Longworth, VK1PL, and John Woolner, VK1ET, Secretary Bruce Howard, VK2MIB, Treasurer Bob Howie, VK1MRH, and Immediate Past President Alan Hawkes, VK1WX. VK2. The next meeting of the Illawarra Amateur Radio Society will be held at Industry World off Spring Hill Road, Coniston, next Tuesday, March the 9th at 7.30pm. Next, VK2ARZ will give a talk, Audio Quality and Your Signal. Get along and have a coffee, a bicky, and a good rag chew after the meeting. Visitors are, of course, most welcome. VK3. ARK's Academy will conduct a regulations course over the weekend of Saturday the 27th of March and Sunday the 28th of March, and the venue will be Wordware Proprietary Limited, Level 1, 321 Whitehorse Road, Nunawading. The course is free of charge. Just email vk3ark at wia.org.au. Still in VK3, the next Foundation Licensed Training and Assessment Weekend by Amateur Radio Victoria will be held on the 20th and 21st of March at Ashburton. For inquiries or to enrol in a quality training experience, please contact Barry Robinson, VK3PV, on 0428-516-001. VK4, Q News. The Master is the 500th caller. Something special happened during callbacks in Townsville following the WIA News and Q News transmissions last week by Richard VK4FRJG. Tipped off by WIA News Director Graham VK4BB, Richard was looking out for the third station to call in so as to bestow a special title. The third station that called in was the Master of Time and Space, Ian VK4IGM, and Richard proudly announced that Ian was the 500th station to call in following the news in Townsville during the current WIA calendar year. Congratulations, Ian, and congratulations to all that call in following retransmissions across VK, making things all that more worthwhile. And before moving across Bass Strait, 
On Melbourne's VK3 REC 9.30am news recently, they clocked up their thousandth check-in in this year. It was VK3 UKR. VK7. Club Archive Proposals. It has been proposed to build an archive of NWT ATV group history, activity and involvement over the last 35 years or so since the Northwest ATV group first became active early in the 1970s. Some of the activities were installation of the solar-powered ATV repeater on Mount Duncan, the 1990 World Rowing Championships and two subsequent National Rowing Championships, ATV at Hamfests, through to some recent events such as the Marconi Centenary and the International Space Station communications with the Devonport High Schools in 2007. Don't forget, today is the day for Penguin Alley. The Penguin Lions Club in northwest Tasmania is holding a community fun day today at Hiscott Park in Penguin. Celebrating the penguinness of Penguin, there will be games for the kids, a Penguin Performs Talent Quest, Penguinalia Displays, Penguin Polished Car and Bike Display, a Model Boat Regatta, Devonshire Tees, Hot Food and Refreshments, and Penguins on the Air, because Amateur Radio will be there. Winston VK70M will be operating throughout the day, portable from near the windmill beside the lake, and frequently calling on 7090-14190 and 28490 kHz. VK9, Tim NL8F, XVK4COF will be on Cocos Keeling Islands, which is Island on the Air reference OC003, from the 2nd to the 10th of March. He hopes to get the call sign VK9COF. After operating from Cocos, his plans are to go to the South Cook Islands, where he will be active as E51COF from the 20th to the 30th of March. Activity is expected mostly on 40 metres. Radio in your inbox. VK1WIA, now podcasting to the world. Operational news. Special events and on-air contest column, Dateline 2010. March 13th and 14th, RSGB Commonwealth Contest. March 20th and 21st, WIA John Moyle Field Day. April 30th to May the 6th, Westlake's CQ Repeater Contest. May the 8th, WIA VK Trans-Tasman 80-meter phone contest. June the 12th, WIA VK Trans-Tasman 160-meter phone contest. June 12th to 13th, WIA Worked All VK Shires. Northeast Radio Group's VK3CNE field station will be portable on Mount Macedon for the John Moyle Memorial National Field Day contest. Setup begins on Friday afternoon, and the contest runs from midday Saturday to midday Sunday. This National Field Day covers all bands except 10, 18, and 24 megahertz, with emphasis on portable operation. Categories for single or multi-operator, home or portable, HF, VHF plus, or all bands, and all Australian, Papua New Guinea, and New Zealand amateurs may compete. For rules and last-minute changes, you can go to www.wia.org.au. Ross Hull Contest Results. The 2010 Ross Hull Contest was won by Ted Thrift, VK2 ARA. Ted was also highest scorer on the 6-meter band. The top scorer on 144 and 1296 MHz was Stephen Heyman, ZL1TPH, and the highest score on 432 was made by Gavin Brain, VK3HY. The winner of the digital mode section was Rex Moncur, VK7MO, closely followed by Wayne Pearson, VK5APN. Congratulations to all. 
RSGB secures the use of short-form contest calls. Following long and detailed discussions with the Radio Society of Great Britain, Ofcom have announced the availability of special short-form contest call signs for certain amateur and full reciprocal licensees. The call sign will consist of G or M, a regional locator if applicable, a chosen digit and a chosen suffix letter, for example, G8Z or GW8Z. Special event calls, repeater beacon DX, and net advice. EI2GBW and GB2EI, special event stations celebrating the return of the Cork to Swansea ferry, enter their final weeks of operation. Unfortunately, however, the intended maritime mobile operations aboard MV Julia had to be cancelled due to the refusal by the Department of Transportation to issue the ship's passenger certificate if the amateur station was allowed to operate on board. VP2MCC will be on the air during March, including the British Commonwealth Contest from Montserrat. During the contest, contacts will only be with other British Commonwealth call areas, but outside the contest he will try to work other countries as a priority. All VP2MCC contacts will be uploaded to the Logbook of the World, so do not send a paper QSL if you only want a card for DXCC. QSL to the home call of G4FAL. Micronesia de Expedition, rare iota to be activated. Operators Mike KM9D and Jan KF4TUG on board the Don Henry are now on Orlok Atoll. Amateur radioactivity from the land-based station located on Orlok Island began on the 2nd of March 2010 and should be continuing for about 10 days. For island-collecting enthusiasts, Orlok Atoll is island-on-the-air reference OC260. Requests for QSL cards should be directed to the QSL manager, OM2SA. The radio log will also be included in the ARRL's Logbook of the World database. Awards. The Tassie Trout Award is awarded for kilograms of trout or points from contacts made with Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club of Tasmania members. The club call sign gains you 3 kilograms of trout, the president 2 kilograms, etc. Once you have collected 14 kilograms of trout, you can claim the basic award. For 25 kilograms, the gold award, and 50 kilograms, the platinum award. I'm Matthew, VK2YAP, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Groups. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, Digital, the Australian coordinator for TCPIP domains, is Indy. His email address, vk2xb at wia.org.au. W1AW announces a new schedule for digital bulletin transmissions. The ARRL says that, beginning Monday week, March 15, its W1AW digital bulletin transmissions will alternate modes used. While Bordeaux, PSK31 and MFSK16 still make up the digital mode complement, the schedule will be altered to give more exposure to PSK31 and MFSK16. Worldwide special interest groups, Rescue Radio. Emergency Management Queensland on Tuesday the 8th of February at Rockhampton saw three amateurs attend, VK4LM, VK4NJB and VK4JRC. The meeting was basically a fact-finding mission for amateur radio emergency comms and to present ideas to EMQ for their consideration. Both parties acknowledge that this is the beginning of a plan that will hopefully see mutual benefits for EMQ and the Radar Club in respect of emergency comms and the promotion of amateur radio in the future. Sunday, February the 7th, saw the inaugural Hobart Run the Bridge Run, with 1,400 runners and walkers completing the 10-kilometre course. The event's communications framework was provided by Wyson Tasmania South. Wyson has commercial VHF and UHF licence frequencies which were used for the event. The Kentish Endurance Riders have asked the CCARC to provide comms support 
for their Tassie Endurance Ride next Saturday, March 13. This is an 80-kilometre event and starts at 7.30am and it will be held in the Sheffield area. If amateurs would like to assist with this event, then please contact David, VK7DC, directly or through any of the other committee members and register your interest to get more information. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the following areas of southwestern New South Wales, it can be heard on VK2RWG in Wagga Wagga on 146.750, VK2RGF in the Murrumbidgee Irrigation Area on 146.850, VK2RTD in the Tumut District on 146.800 and on Node 6260. Listen in at 1000 hours Sundays or 1930 hours on Tuesdays. I'm John, VK2YW. Australia's biggest gathering of hams and electronic enthusiasts took place last Sunday, the 28th of February. The 2010 Central Coast Amateur Radio Club's Field Day at Wyong Racecourse attracted the crowds, boosted by perfect weather. WIA News was there, and we opened the report with Dot VK2DB, who told us just how far some people had travelled. The Lara Table has been very busy today. We've had visitors from New Zealand, Marlene from New Zealand, and we've had some visitors from Queensland and from down the far south coast of New South Wales. We heard the vendor point of view from Gary, VK2ZKT, who thought that sales were good. I think it's a little bit quieter in the outside uh, trash and treasure area, but in the trading area it's been steady business all morning. One attendee who can claim a special affinity is Pierce, VK2APQ, very close to celebrating a centenary of his own. Pierce has attended nearly every field day... Since it began... I only missed one that was last year due to the fires blocking the way up from uh, Sydney. And having seen so many field days, what's happened over the years? Oh, the changes have been massive. Gone are all the uh, interests that used to be in uh, contests, in transmitter hunts. There used to be uh, uh, contests and mobiles coming up. There's a lot more uh, amateurs around, but it's entirely different. One of the reasons why I uh, try to make it, you see old friend, when you see old friends uh, like Barry here, it goes on for nearly 50 years, and Bill Hall, which I've known, <laughs> I don't know, for many, many years. It's uh, great, I've met so many uh, people today that uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, have a yarn with them and drop tales of the old time and what it meant to us to uh, get our ticket. It was a long examination, which was a written examination of about three hours. You had to know the subjects from uh, absolute basic principles of electromagnetism, uh, electric and electronic theory. And they were the days before uh, VHF, you had to build your own equipment from whatever you could scrounge around the, the area. Michael Owen, VK3KI, WIA National President, made a special trip from Melbourne to catch up with old friends and snare a few new recruits. What did he think of the event? As usual, fantastic. Wyong gives us the opportunity to meet so many friends from not only this area but from quite a large part of Australia. We signed up quite a few new members and uh, 
ran out of a lot of the books that we'd brought up. The main thing is, though, it's personal contact. It's what amateur radio is all about, and Wyong certainly succeeds in providing that. Amateur Radio New South Wales ran an on-site licence assessment, providing the opportunity to qualify people into the bands and higher levels. Terry VK2UX was very pleased with the outcome. We went extremely well. We had all successful candidates, in excess of 10, I would guess, going from a couple of foundations, a couple of standards and a couple of advanced. But they're all very successful. As president of CCARC, Cole VK2ZCO had much riding on the day, the culmination of almost 12 months' work by a seriously dedicated bunch of volunteers. Much better than expected. The flea market area we finished up with close on 60 groups, whereas last year we had about 40. Through the gate, we think somewhere around about 1,300. That's paying people, adults. We don't know how many under-17s we had. We haven't counted the tickets yet. The uh, traders seem to have had a fairly good day, and the exhibitors. One group selling loads of returned gear that was faulty had a fairly successful day, judging by the decrease in the pile that they had. I'd like to thank the members of the Field Day Committee for all the hard work and the many hours of work that they have put in to make the day a success. And looking forward to the rest tomorrow. <laughs> but you can just bet he's also looking forward to next year's Wyong Field Day. Hi, this is Dick Smith, VK2DIK, and good morning to all the listeners of VK1WIA. International news with thanks to the RSGB, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, and the worldwide sources of the WIA. This week we start in Chile. Dr Galdino Basomi, CE3PG, president of Radio Club de Chile, informs us via the RAC that soon after the earthquake, their emergency net was activated through the whole country, first on VHF and later on HF. All the board and club members are actively working in close coordination with civil and military authorities. The request for news about people in the affected countryside areas is one of the main activities occupying the radio amateurs. IARU Region 2 Area Emergency Coordinator George Sierra, LU1AS, reports that traffic on the 40-metre band has included health and welfare inquiries with people seeking information about the well-being of their relatives and friends in the affected areas of southern Chile. More than 500,000 structures were destroyed and millions of people displaced or left homeless. At the request of the IARU and the Red Chilena Nor Astral Servicio, all radio amateurs are requested to keep IARU Centre of Activity frequencies clear as health and welfare traffic is being passed to and from Chile. As well, the RECNA requests that their call frequencies be avoided. These are 28300, 28500, 21200, 21350, 14200, 14350, 7050, 7095, 3738 and 3750 kHz. Rescue radio robot in the 430 to 450 MHz band. The FCC has issued a waiver of the Part 90 rules to permit a company called Recon Robotics Incorporated to sell a remote-controlled security robot that will operate in the 430 to 448 MHz band. This is spectrum that is primary to the Federal Radio Location Service, but also encompasses the amateur service weak signal, satellite and repeater sub-bands. The Recon Scout transmits the analogue video signal to the operator on one of three 6 MHz channel. They are 430 to 436, 436 to 442 and 442 to 448 megahertz. In approving this waiver, the FCC told Recon Robotics 
that the recon scout will have to operate on a secondary basis where it cannot cause interference and it is not protected from interference to all federal users and licensed non-federal users, including radio amateurs. In VK2, some celebrations are taking place. This month, Amateur Radio New South Wales will be operating its special call, VK2FIRST. Next Thursday afternoon on the 11th of March, there is to be a small gathering in the Sydney CBD on the site of the former Hotel Australia to mark the anniversary. Then on next Sunday the 14th, members of Amateur Radio New South Wales have been invited to the VK2WI site in Jewel, where the centenary will be observed by the opening of the recently completed building. More details in this week's VK2WI news and on the ARNSW website www.arnsw.org.au Around the rest of the country March 14, VK3 Eastern and Mountain District Amateur Radio Club White Elephant Sale March 14, VK6 100 years of the WIA plus Ham Heaven official opening March 21, VK7 Meet the Voice Barbecue at Ross in VK7 April 2, VK3 Midland Amateur Radio Club Radio, Electronic and Astronomy Expo. April 3rd and 4th, VK2, Yurunga Convention on the New South Wales Mid-North Coast. Well, that wraps it up for this historic news bulletin. We are indeed honoured by having been invited to present this bulletin, both close to the date and close to the place where it all began. While celebrations have already started from the first day of the year, there is much more to come throughout the country. Next weekend is the annual John Moyle Field Day and Ian VK2ZIO's Radio Museum at Currajong is mounting a centenary display to name but a few activities. So from Matthew VK2YAP, Richard VK2SKY, John VK2JPM and me, Tim VK2ZTM. It's goodbye from members of the VK2 News team. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.